So today's message is on praise and worship. How many of you like praise and worship? How many of you are indifferent and it's just like you tolerate it to get through to the rest of the service? Anyone? Well, hopefully got that. Some, uh, real honest people over here. <clears throat> there are no wrong answers, just honest answers. Just so you guys know. Okay, so does anyone know? Whoever answers this will get a candy. Does anyone know why we give praise? Yep. That's the thing. Okay, any other answers? Because, I mean, like, God, He gives us everything. That, like, every, like, you know, we're, we give thanks. You know, if someone gives you, like, thank you. Give, give thanks, exactly. <laughs> All right, Sarah. To show our thankfulness uh, in the song, not Isabella. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Anthony. Uh, to show love and respect. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Clarissa. I don't want a candy. What? To awaken the Holy Spirit. To awaken the Holy Spirit. All right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Spencer. To love God. To love God. Yes. To show our love to God. I'm another one. Um, <laughs> uh, he gave us life. Yep. That's what? Life? Go ahead. He loves us. Yep. Yeah. The word is the same thing five times. Yes, Victoria. Because he sacrificed his son, yes. yes. Oh, Ethan. Because he is, um, thinks he gives us, he gives, I don't know, start, but he gives us life and he, he gives us stuff and and we should show. I can't word it right. Because he gives us light. Yeah. Okay. That's not all. All right. Last one, Sarah. Because he is our almighty creator, and we're just. Yep. All right. So. Yeah. So. First of all, the reason why we give praise is because he's worthy. Now, if you look in. Revelations 4.11 Revelations Tell me when you get there. Revelations 4.11 Alright, Elias. Go ahead and read it. That's way the back of the Bible. Our Lord and the God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and because of your will they so it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Uh, another wor- reason we're going to worship is because it is the will of God for us. In 1 Thessalonians 5 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks to everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, it's worth noting that the scripture 
that he just read was written by Paul the Apostle. Uh, do any of you guys know who Paul the Apostle was? Isabella? Um, he was a horrible person before he met God. <laughs> he was a horrible person. Well, he he read what he does. Yeah. And then he met God and became like the head of the church. Um, and planted many, 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 many churches. And he wrote most of the New Testament. Yep, that is true. He he had he, he persecuted Christians to begin with, and then he had a life-changing experience with Jesus, and uh, went on to found many of the churches throughout Asia. Um, one thing that's notable about that scripture is he's saying, "Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give in everything, give thanks." Um, Paul went through a lot of trials. If you guys think you have drama in your life. I mean, think about him. This dude, he was beaten and stoned. He was imprisoned. He was deserted by his close friends. Uh, Mark and Barnabas were two of the apostles that used to go with him, and they they were like, I'm out, man. This isn't what I signed up for. Um, There were plots to kill him. He was persecuted and impressed, and if that wasn't enough, he was shipwrecked on an island because the sailors wouldn't listen to him when he told them they were sailing into the storm. And then, when they're on the island, which is a shipwreck, he's gathering firewood and he gets bit by a poisonous snake. So he has gone through it all. Yet he's the person that is writing, telling us that we're to give thanks and rejoice in all circumstances. So I think if anyone had... a an experience where maybe they would think, man, God, I really don't feel like praising you right now. I'm sure he went through several of those himself. But he says that we're supposed to continually give praise to God. Uh, Not because of what he had or what was happening to him, but because he recognized God is worthy of our praise, regardless of our circumstances. In Psalm 100, verse 4, go ahead and turn to Psalm 100. And we're going to read, actually, we're going to read the whole of Psalm 100. Um, there. Oh, you already got one. We'll give someone else a chance. No, I didn't. No? I I did it. I did it. Yeah, I got it. Okay, Isabella, you were first. Here's a Milky Way dart. Go ahead. Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He made us and we are his. His people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For Yahweh is good and his love is eternal. His faithfulness his faithfulness endures through all generations. Amen. So, uh, Psalm 100, verse 4, as she read, it states, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Uh, what do you think that verse means? 
Don't come into his presence uh, being It's not just church. Uh, what they used to do, and the way this is written, since this is written back in ancient times, the Jewish people, what they would do is all the elders of the city, they'd sit outside the city gates and watch who was coming and going in the city. Kind of like, you know how old people like to sit on their front porch and watch all the neighbors walking their dogs and just relax? That, that was kind of the culture there. And so when you enter into the gates or you enter into the city, you're kind of like, you're in my hood, you know, that kind of, you know, you're, you're in my area. And uh, it's, and into his courts, it's talking about, back then they had the temple or the tabernacle and the courts would be like the outer area where the people would congregate. And so it's talk about entering into the presence of God with praise that is how you enter into his presence is with praise um, being Christians we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit literally God's spirit is always with us but it doesn't mean that we always feel his presence um, there are times when we're not really feeling it how many of you guys have had some uh, just a crappy day and you feel like God has deserted you and you're just alone all by yourself. Does that anyone happen, happen to anyone? Not, not just me. Uh, well, the thing is, God doesn't ever leave us or forsake us. So what has happened is, because of our circumstances and how we're feeling, we've allowed ourselves to be separated from God and his presence, and we're not feeling him. It's not that he's pulled away from us. It's that we've allowed stuff to come between him and us in our relationship. Uh, and the way that we get back into that awareness of God and his presence and feeling connected again is through praise. Uh, sometimes we like to act as if God will show up if we worship real hard. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever seen some of those um, worship leaders that well I you guys all have access to YouTube I'm sure you've seen some of the it's it's like they're they're wanting to like worship really hard like as if they can act as if they can the harder and more wild and crazy they act the more God will show up and that's not really how it works um, or sometimes we we feel worship and it's like oh the Holy Spirit move today I felt God the Holy Spirit was really here today and it's like the Holy Spirit is always here with us the Holy Spirit it, Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name I'm there in the midst of them Jesus is always with us every Sunday every day when we gather together as a congregation of worshipers together he's there in our midst whether we feel him or not the difference isn't like, okay, we managed to pull God into worship today by worshiping real hard. It's we've prepared our hearts so that we are receptive to him and we're feeling his presence because it's a lot, uh, our heart has changed 
and it's made it so that we are aware of his presence. So in James 4, 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. So yeah, it basically, as we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. Uh, so if your time of worship feels dead and stagnant, maybe it's time for an attitude adjustment on your part. Now, in John 4, verse 23 and 25. But, but an hour is coming now, is, and, that, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God in spirit is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him. Basically, what that means, God desires a sincere expression of our praise. In spirit and truth, when you're doing something in truth, you mean it. Uh, how many of you been ever been given an apology that felt forced? Like someone was... Everyone has siblings in their how does that make you feel when you get an apology from someone that it doesn't really mean anything? They didn't mean it. Right. It, it, does, it make, does it make you feel like the relationship got better because of that apology? No. Honestly, you would tell the difference. So if your motivation for worshiping God isn't something that's coming from your heart and you're just going through the motions, it's the same thing with how God feels about our praise. Um, do you ever have a parent or teacher make you apologize when you weren't actually sorry? Yes. 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 Yep. And how did that change the way you felt? Because they made you apologize. No. It depends on the reception of the apology. I know for me it's happened to me and it's made me realize that I should actually apologize and I've you know, changed my attitude. So, likewise, God desires our praise to be given freely and voluntarily. Now, just because you give it freely and voluntarily doesn't necessarily mean you want to. It's something you choose to do. Uh, it isn't always easy. The Bible calls praise a sacrifice. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Hebrews 13.15. Hebrews 13.15. Okay. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. God recognizes that it is against our human nature to give praise when things are not going our way. And when we choose to give him praise through our trials, it is especially pleasing to him um, we're going to take a look now I'll read this one because it's kind of a long one it's a story of Paul and Silas uh, it is in Acts 16 16 through 35 Acts 16 16 now it happened as we went to prayer 
that a certain slave girl possessed with a divination met us. Who knows what a divination is? Like yeah, basically they had a, They were possessed by an evil spirit that gave them the power to tell fortunes. <clears throat> Who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. So she was basically being pimped out by um, their slave owners. <laughs> they were taking advantage of her for her for their profit. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, "These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation." And she did this for many days. And Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, "I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her." Now, what was she saying that annoyed Paul so much? In the spirit of God. Because she was, she was basically saying, hey, these guys are the servants of the Most High God. And they, they're going to tell us the way of salvation. Why would that annoy Paul? Because it's being told by, like, a demon. Right. It, it was the wrong spirit. And because she's telling fortunes to other people... And then she's spreading their message. It's making them look like they're affiliated with her. So they were probably trying to uh, profit off of some of Paul and Silas's fame and working miracles as well. It's possible. So, anyways, that's whatever it was. Paul was really annoyed. And so to the point where he was like, I command you to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates, those are the judges, and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are, are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. So, they basically came against them with trumped-up charges. Notice, they didn't complain to the judge about what they actually did. They just kind of made up, these, these guys are causing trouble. Uh, but their motivation was really just their loss of profit. Um, then the multitude rose up against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and, tore, and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So here they are, beaten to the point where they've got stripes. Their clothes are ripped off of them. They're, and then they're tossed into prison, and not enough being actually put in prison, they're actually in stocks. Do you guys know what stocks are? Not, not like what you sell to make m money uh, when you, the S&P Dow Jones is going up. Yeah, they're basically these wooden... Yeah, so very, very uncomfortable. So if that were you, if you cast a demon out of someone and you are beaten and tossed into jail for... For casting a demon out of someone, how do you think you would be feeling about your Christian faith, faith right about then? 
Okay. <laughs> I feel great. You feel great? Because it works. That that's one <laughs> way to look at it. <laughs> it works. Yeah. 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 But, okay. So I'm with this. Think about like this. You're working on a uh, on a um, a new phone, and it actually worked. The, uh, the system worked. The processing worked. The like the uh, operating system worked, and everything. But Apple fired you. How would you feel? Like, oh man, I lost my job, but it worked. That is true. That is true. Like the, the guy who made like all the unbreakable drones. Yeah. So to that point, they felt like singing and praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So here they are in prison, having all this crappy stuff happen to them, and they are singing praises to God, and not just quietly to themselves, all the other people in the prison are hearing them give glory to God. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awake from his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. So basically the jailer was like, oh no, all the prisoners have escaped, and he's about ready to kill himself, because... In Roman culture, if you let the prisoners escape, um, they were going to kill you eventually, but they weren't going to let you get off with just death. That was a little bit too nice. So he was he was looking to avoid the, the prolonged punishment that would come before they took his life. Uh, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord, and all to him that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. So... Uh, their witness of praising God while they were in the midst of jail not only changed the life of the jailer, but it, his whole family. Uh, he, he recognized that the God that they served was truly God, and they saw their need for salvation. Uh, and at that point, you know, he, he, you could see he had compassion on him. Finally, he gets around to washing their stripes. So he's like, okay, maybe I better start showing these prisoners a little bit more love. Uh, now, when they had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So at this point, he's still in charge of jailing them. His responsibility to be their jailer hadn't been lifted from him. But uh, he probably saw that they were in prison unjustly and so he invited them to his house and fed them and took care of them and tried to make them more comfortable under house arrest as it were uh, and when it was day the magistrates sent the officers 
saying, let those men go. So basically, when Paul and Silas went into this situation, they had no way of knowing that God was going to send an earthquake to bust them out of jail. Yet they chose to worship him anyways, because God is worthy. In just a couple of chapters earlier, King Herod had seized the Apostle James and had him beheaded. So from their point of view, this could have been their last night on earth, and yet they were still praising God. Now, I say this because a lot of people read these stories and think, if I praise God, he'll fix this problem for me. And, you know, growing up in the type of family that I did, you know, I was hurt, you know, God will do this for you, you know, give offering and it'll be given back to you. And um, all that is true. God blesses you. You worship God. He has a way of making things work out for all things will work together for your good. But sometimes the line between why you worship God and what you're wanting to get from God kind of get blurred to where it clouds our emotions to where well, we're worshiping God because we want him to fix things for us. So it's like, well, if I worship God, then God's going to get me out of jail. As opposed to, well, I'm worshiping God because he's worthy of praise. And no matter what happens, I put my trust in God. Uh, so it's even though God does mighty wonders on our behalf, that should never be our motivation for giving praise. Uh, Paul and Silas could have walked away scot-free if that was their motivation. But instead of them just busting out of jail as soon as the earthquake came, you see them hanging around, ministering to the jailer and his family until the magistrate officially freed them. So, what does praise and worship look like? Um... Praise, this is just an Ephraim quote, so I don't necessarily have a scripture in the Bible specifically defining it, but what I view praise as is rejoicing in recalling what God has done, is doing, or will do. Uh, worship is acknowledging who God is. Some examples of praise in the Bible... And there are lots of verses all over the Bible, so I'm not going to give you all the different scripture references, but you see in the Bible, singing is a form of praise. Dancing is a form of praise. Making music is a form of praise. Shouting is a form of praise. Proclaiming is a form of praise. Exclaiming is a form of praise. Testifying is a form of praise. Uh, it is worth noting that all those things that I listed are also things you see people doing at concerts and sports games. So it is in our human nature when we really feel excited and enthused about something that we feel really passionate about, we are designed to praise. That, that is part of our core being. Uh, now some examples of worship in the Bible humbling yourself before God um, that means putting him above yourself or putting yourself below him actually uh, bowing down, kneeling lifting your hands uh, praising God for his nature and character 
uh, that's that's different than like oh thank you God for doing this for me this is more like you are holy you are just merciful righteous etc uh, or you're making praises to God directly you're not singing about God you're singing to God uh, it's an important to remember it's not about how you feel it's about God you're doing this for God so maybe you don't feel like lifting your hands um, great lift your hands anyways that's what makes it a sacrifice if you love raising your hands and showing everyone how great your deodorant works uh, that's really not much of a sacrifice uh, it's when we do something that is difficult and hard that it's actually truly a sacrifice now um, but what if I'm embarrassed to do that what if you're embarrassed to do that then do it anyways. That, that is what makes it uh, all the more pleasing to God. Um, if you have a million dollars and you give your friend five dollars, that's not really much of a sacrifice on your part. But if you've got six bucks and you give your friends five dollars, that's much greater sacrifice. All right, now we're going to turn to Second Samuel, and this this kind of ties into well, uh, what if you're embarrassed? We're going to read a very embarrassing story here. Second Samuel, six verse twelve. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. You guys can follow along. Now it was told David the king, saying, "The Lord has blessed the house of." Obed Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark, uh, the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Do you know what a linen ephod was? No. Was anyone? Is it a hat? Was it underwear? Is it cloak? No. What? Well, linen. It's linen. Linen. Underwear? Uh, yes, it was. It was a form of underwear. So it's dancing around in his underwear um, before the Lord, praising the Lord. So David, but not just David, and all the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouting and the with the sound of the trumpet. So he's not just like, you know how some, I don't know, I've certainly never done this, but I've seen or heard of people that dance around the house in their underwear. Um, he wasn't doing it at home privately. He was out in front of all the people just dancing around without a care of the world. Now, as the Ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, who happened to be David's wife. Because remember, David killed Goliath and uh, Saul had promised whoever killed Goliath, he would give his daughter to be their wife. Um, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen some of y'all dance at weddings and you've got some moves. 
So that those are the kind of moves King David was doing. He was leaping and whirling. He was break dancing in front of the Ark of the Covenant. In his underwear. In his And she despised him in her heart. So his wife despised him in her heart. So they brought the Ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So he goes on with his worship. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of the hosts. And then he distributed among all the people and among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and to men, everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. So... He wasn't just dancing in front of the ark. He was having a party. He's like, here's food. Here's some cake. Here's some drinks. Let's get down. We're going to worship God. Now David returned to bless his household. So this is after he went and he blessed God's tabernacle. And he went and blessed the people of Israel. And he's coming home to his house expecting to like put a blessing on his house. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servant, as one of those base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So, you know, we think of sarcasm as being like a modern-day form of communication that here we see thousands of years ago. Michael, the daughter of Saul, had already mastered sarcasm as a form of communication. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler. To appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this, and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of who you have spoken, by them I will be held with honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. And I'm sure you all have learned how children come into being. So when it says that she had no children, the rest of her uh, life yeah, uh, to do with her. <laughs> basically is saying that he didn't have anything to do with his wife anymore after that okay. so David was the king of Israel this is significant because the single most humbling thing he could do was to strip off his kingly raiment and dance as a common beggar before the Lord so this was not some sort of um weird um, like oh I'm trying to get jiggy with it uh, kind of uh, suggestive dancing it was more so about him being the king and him being in a position of honor and him humbling himself and dressing like the way the poor people in that culture you know the people that didn't have hardly any clothes and basically lowering himself and exalting God Michael was a princess, a king's daughter. 
This offended her sense of decorum and the idea of how a king should act. Instead of joining in uh, to rejoice before the Lord, she let out, she let, excuse me, instead of joining in with him to rejoice before the Lord, she let it drive a permanent wedge between her and her husband. There are two lessons here. True worship does not care how it appears to others. So sort of like Sherry was saying, well, what if I'm embarrassed to raise my hands? Uh, you're not worried about how others will perceive you because you're just focused on God. You, you, you are doing what you are doing for God and not for anyone else. Secondly, don't judge others on how they worship the Lord. There are many different cultures throughout the world with many different expressions of worship. If you are focused on what other people are doing and how they are worshiping, then you aren't worshiping God. So, um, just real quick, does anyone have any questions before we move on to the next segment? We're going to do a little exercise here, and this is different than I originally planned, but um, I need four volunteers. I want you to tell me three things that you know about Zane and why he's a great guy. Oh, so, so my main man Zane right here, man. <laughs> the respect for classes, man. He got the he got the Air Forces on, you know what I'm saying? Clean his head. You know how to style. He got the he got the red jacket on, you know what I'm saying? And he got the curls coming up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he's in the sixth grade. You know what I'm saying? So he's just coming in. He just got into his stuff, you know. This is his first time. This is his first night here. Oh. So I want you to welcome. Give him the microphone. She's nice. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Careful, she's got to do one on you, too, so you know. Mm. She's pretty tall. Oh. Wow. She's pretty. <laughs> 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 she's gotten better in school. She's got such a lie. Friends. <laughs> 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 
were supposed to be more shallow because they didn't know each other as well and they grew up together and they're friends so theoretically they should be able to give a more sincere compliment <laughs> you guys are messed up but 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 in real life our praise with God is like that too as you draw closer to God and you get to know him more, yes. you, his nature and what he's revealed to you, you know him better and you see more in him and you know why you praise him and you, you appreciate him more. And it's the same way um, as your relationships with other people are. If they're good people and you're with them a lot, you learn to appreciate them. If they're garbage friends and they're shallow, <laughs> um, once you graduate high school, you don't talk to them anymore. That's fair. So, anyways, uh, the whole point of that is spend time with God, worship God, praise God, and the more time you spend with God, the more you appreciate with the time you spend with Him, the more sincere you are. And um, it's just a circle where things just keep getting better and better.